Welcome to the Seven Rock Life Show, featuring stories that inspire with people that you will admire. Here's your host, Stephen Mazurko. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, it's Steve Mazurko. I'm your host. It's so excited to have you guys on this podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being part of our Seven Rock Life community and nation. So many great things are happening across the board. We have 13 more days left until our Living to Inspire Festival. Guys, the buzz is real. So many people are excited about this. I want you to imagine TEDx Talks also with concerts combined that is what a living to inspire festival is with music education entertainment networking all different walks of life that are coming grammy award winners music artists and we will be completely sold out so make sure you guys reserve your ticket on livingtoinspire.com you can go on to there i'll give you a little actually special family and friends discount code just because i feel like giving today if you put in lti 50 that will give a little extra discount for you all, and um, it is going to be powerful. We can't wait to see so many of you guys there at the Knockdown Center, November 8th and 9th. And on that Friday night, another reason why you should be there is my mom's 70th birthday. So it is going to be off the hook. So excited. This is the first of the Living to Inspire festivals. This is going to be a historic night that many people around the country, which is so humbling, are watching uh, this whole thing be put together. So much buzz is happening and you guys are going to be part of history. So make sure you're there. Make sure you're sharing this with people and we want to help you transform your life and discover the medicine that the universe that God gave you. And we're just so grateful. So enjoy this episode. This is an episode that I, I shot in Africa with my, my boy Benji and he is a missionary doing amazing things and he is so underrated with what he's doing. He has a heart of gold and it was really cool to be able to spend some time on the beach real quick, do a podcast, hear a story. His story continues for for so long with what he's done for the Tanzania and African tribes out there. And he has a heart of gold, newly engaged as well, getting married. But you're going to be really impacted by this because it really puts things in perspective. And I'll tell you what, coming back from Africa really changed my life. And when you come back, and I'm actually, as I'm sending this, I'm overlooking um, New York City and Hudson River and Times Square. I'm on the 64th floor. And you come back and you realize that some of the chaos that we have here in America is not even close to the chaos that people have across the world. And we should be so grateful and thankful for the things that we have here and learn how to complete, not compete. Learn how to tribe live. And that's what you're going to hear um, in this episode, the things that he had to endure growing up that we don't have to endure. I mean, just crazy stuff. And I'll save that for the podcast, but it's truly remarkable. So make sure you go out there with gratitude, with love, and you go out there and you go conquer your dreams, but you bring other people with you. And that's what Seven Rock Life is about. That's what Living to Inspire is about. And make sure that you are the spark for other people's light. Thank you for tuning into this podcast, for being part of the show. Thanks for leaving reviews. If you haven't, please leave a review. It means the world to us. We want to continue to get better for each and every one of you and share this with a friend or a couple friends and make sure we see you November 8th and 9th because it is going to be a powerful, powerful two days. Love you guys. Enjoy this show. Enjoy the episode. Live to inspire. Hey guys, welcome to Seven Rock Live Podcast. I'm your host, Steven Mazurko, and I'm here with my great friend. We're in Mafia Island, Africa right now on the beach. If you hear the water in the background, 
that is the Indian Ocean. And I'm here with my friend Ben Gilzon, and so excited to have him. You know, been blessed to be on a mission trip here uh, from from United States, and uh, being able to build a youth center uh, here in Mafia Island in Tanzania, and just hearing his story. You're 24 now. Yep, just about to turn 24 in May. 24 years old. Yeah. He is a stud. And just doing so many great things for uh, for the world and for people, and I'm excited to share him. He's got some crazy stories of growing up where he grew up in Tanzania, yeah. and uh, speaks the language which is Swahili. Swahili, yeah. and uh, so it's just <clears throat> excited to have him on here. Seven Rock Life Nation is going to be blessed. Uh, we have about a half hour or less to be able to, to share this before he goes on to another mission, and just uh, he's also newly engaged as well, yeah. which is really exciting. Yeah, me and Danny got engaged about two months ago. So we're, we're excited, we're happy, and we're excited to see where God's going to be leading us both down uh, down this road of uh, marriage marriage and life. Yep, so uh, so we're going to get into it. His childhood, growing up in Africa, he's got some <clears throat> remarkable stories. And uh, he's 24 years old, but he's like lived uh, already like so many lifetimes of things he's gone through. So talk about just your growing up. Yeah, how no, it was. growing up was wild. Honestly, um, we came out here because my dad built a medical clinic in the bush. And so what that means is the bush is like in the sticks or just out there where no one else is. And we went out there and we grew up without electricity, without running water. Um, our house, we eventually were able to get solar powers and battery power and stuff like that to run a few lights in our house. But we did grow up in the bush. Um, all my friends lived in huts and grass roofs and stuff. And as time grew, um, they moved on to brick and slowly sheet metal roofs and stuff like that. But yeah, growing up was wild because we were so far out there. Um, we did homeschool and during some of my classes, I would be sitting there and I remember this one time I was looking out the window and I'm doing chemistry, right? Who really cares about chemistry? <laughs> not, not, not too many people care about chemistry and neither did I, but my job was to guard our garden because we had to grow our own vegetables. If we wanted veggies, we had to grow it. And so my, my job was my classroom was facing the garden so I could keep an eye on it. And anytime monkeys came into our garden, they would pillage it. They would take a bite of a pepper or a tomato and then throw it away and waste it and ruin our garden. And so during chemistry, I would just be sitting there with a shotgun. I don't know. I was like <laughs> 15, 16 years old, 14. And I'm just sitting there with a shotgun doing chemistry work. And anytime... Uh, throughout my day of homeschool, uh, monkeys got in the garden. It was my job to hunt them down. And so that's exactly what I would do. And I remember this one day they came through the garden. And I just sprinted up because you got to be faster than them. You got to be wiser than them. And they're in the trees. And so, yeah, it's just wild just growing up in this environment, growing up with the people here. And actually, that's where my story kind of starts a little bit of uh, one of the times I was out there. Uh, hunting down some monkeys that were destroying our gardens they destroy everybody's crops so it's actually a pest control yeah it's like, a, a, like yeah. a squirrel or raccoon yeah, in a way exactly so it's, monkeys yeah it's it's and so i was out there and that's where my whole walk with the lord really deepened and really changed because i grew up in a, in a christian home and uh it was when i was lost in the jungle actually and had an experience with god i cried out to god and i was praying to him because I was lost. I was lost in the jungle, the sun was setting, and I didn't know where I was. So as I start praying, I start realizing, why, not, why am I praying to something that's just my parents? My parents aren't here, nobody's looking, I'm in the middle of nowhere. And so I had an arrogant moment as a 14-year-old kid. I said, God, reveal yourself to me. In that moment, nothing happened, and so I looked around and I started realizing, yeah, I was right, I was right, that's just my parents' bedtime stories, that's not real stuff. As I start turning around to walk where I thought home was, I hear a voice so clearly just saying, I love you. 
So I look around, I whip around my head, and I'm looking under leaves. I'm looking everywhere to try and find somebody. I'm calling out to somebody. No one answers. And I'm like, man, that was weird, but I'm just hearing things. And that happens again. I love you. And just from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, I felt this overwhelming hug of, like, just love. Just pure. I can't describe it other than just, like, a tingling sensation of just love. And I knew You felt right, comforted. I felt comforted. I knew right yeah. then and there that that was God. It wasn't him being like, follow me. You've disobeyed me till now. It was... I love you. And I think that speaks volumes to what God actually is in our lives and who he is to the world. He just loves everybody. And um, he wants us to pursue a relationship with him out of that love. And from that will come the overflow of ministry. Yeah. And would you say that in today's world, there's an emptiness that sometimes people feel because they're not in pursuit of that? Yeah. Oh, I would definitely. Kind of rock of life that's spiritual. I would, I would definitely say so. I would definitely agree with that statement completely. I think everybody is seeking hope. And sometimes that hope that they're seeking is in the relationship with Jesus. He fills that void and he loves us all for that purpose, for that purpose that we're missing out on. And I don't think that'll ever be completed until we're up up there with him, worshiping him for eternity. There will always be a void. But we do have, as we come to know him, as we grow in a relationship with him, we do have a slight band-aid put on it to walk through this life with him that he'll be with us but we do know eternity is coming and we'll be with him forever yeah what's your when because you've traveled uh Mm -hmm. you know across the world in different spots growing up in a bush right the bush is like just to kind of put you in perspective if you listen to this is uh being around hippos being Mm -hmm. around um crocodiles and just like lakes and and and, uh not they're monkeys but there's something uh what else is it called uh hyenas hyenas tigers i mean we got some stories of giraffes lions giraffes (laughs) all sorts of stuff tigers Yeah, in in India is where tigers are, but mostly in Africa it's just lions. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, there's some crazy stories. I've seen some crazy stuff just in a lot of my pursuit of um, my relationship with God. I also just felt so strongly that everybody needed to hear about that. Everyone needed to know who Jesus was, what he did for us. And so the unreached people groups became a huge part of my life. Yeah, talk a little bit about that. Because yeah. you, you created that you know, yeah. with God and everything and mm-hmm. unreached people groups. That's because that's what you guys are yeah. doing. It's remarkable. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the things and so, you've done. And um, so I think for me, like some, something that I created um, is called Push 316. And it's spreading awareness for people that are unreached. And what are they seeking? They're seeking that hope. So PUSH stands for people unreached seeking hope. That's so cool. And my logo has a 316 because that's describing the hope that they're seeking is just Jesus. And he's here for them. He's here for us. He's that hope that we're all seeking. Every religion, somebody's... Um, seeking something and they don't always get it right all the religions there's only one true god there's only one true path and that's through jesus christ and so from that uh, i just got this passion for unreached people groups and those are people that have never heard the gospel they don't have somebody pursuing them to hear the gospel they don't have a church they don't have any access to literature they're out there and they've never heard the word of god and that's where my heart is. And that's where I feel like God's given me the ability to reach out to them. Even with some of the crazy stories of just growing up in the bush, I feel like God's been equipping me my whole life to reach out to the unreached in those certain areas where they are. And they're unreached for a reason. They're in hard-to-get places. They're surrounded by animals. I mean, I was even telling you a story yesterday about we've had some pastors just disappearing because the people they were reaching they were in a game reserve and they were eaten by lions and so it's it's a real call it's a real um hardship but at the same time you know it's worth it and in the bible when it talks about dying to ourself 
is gain, you know, for Christ? Like, are we really willing to lay it all down? Are we really willing to put our lives on the line for what we believe in? Yeah. So, and as as far as with kind of your perspective of the world, what um, what do you think are the things that we take? I guess um. Uh, we, we take for granted as yeah. a Western culture versus Eastern culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's a big thing. Yeah. And I've spoken about that before. But Western mm-hmm. culture versus Eastern culture, what do you see as the differences? Because you yeah. grew up here in Africa. Yeah. You see the Western right. world of the things that we fight about. We don't, we, yeah. we don't, um, we don't complete. We compete, mm-hmm. right? We don't understand tribe living. Right. So walk yeah. us through that. Yeah, I knew um, growing up, I, I came here when I was about eight. So I don't really remember too much from America, but my parents were both Americans. And so I had a little bit of that culture under my belt. And now as I grew up here, I became more and more Tanzanian than I was American. And what happened was when I returned to America, I started noticing just uh, one of the biggest things I picked up on is the culture of self. I don't know if that makes sense as far as like somebody... Um, in America really will focus on themselves in a more selfish way whereas out here with the tribal living like you were saying it is more of a group a community of people going through something so if a problem comes up in somebody's lives in America you're like I can handle this let me just work really hard I can figure it out I I I whereas here it's like what can we do together as a team? What can we do as a culture to really figure those things out together? Even just for example, like in our village, there was a possibility that people were moving from grass roofs to metal roofs. And during that whole process, people would buy metal roofs, but they would wait for everybody else in the village to have metal roofs before they took that step because it was a community. It was a culture. I was going to say why, yeah. Yeah, it was just a culture of waiting. I mean, also... <clears throat> It was viewed as if you thought yourself to be better than somebody, it was a bad thing. And so it was a bad thing to have a metal roof when everyone else had grass roofs. And so they waited for everybody to be on board. And there's good and there's bad to that. And I can see both aspects of it just from growing up with the knowledge of both. But one of the things that I do take away from even going back to America is just being shocked about that and being shocked about even, I was talking to you the other day about the respect respect is a big thing here where i see just everything they're taught from a little kid to show respect in a way even before they can speak they're taught to reach out their hand and put it on the elder's head anybody older than them they're supposed to put their hand on their head and that's a sign of like respect and there's a word in Swahili is shikamo. And shikamo basically is from Arabic. And it also means like, it literally is translated to I hold your feet. And what that means is just showing respect that you respect this person so much. They've lived so much more life than you. You can glean so much from them that you're willing just to hold their feet as a part of showing respect. And then they would respond with malahaba and you continue your conversation. So even the fact that before you're able to speak, the parents are teaching you to put your hand on someone's head. And then as soon as you're able to speak, you're learning that word shikamo first. That's the first, one of the first words you learn. And so everywhere you go, there's a culture of respect. And then I was even telling you a story as I was back in America. There was, that was no, in school, right? Yeah, yeah, I was in school. I went to Elam Bible Institute in college up in Lima, New York. And I did my associate's degree there in ministry and pastoral uh, theology. And what I did there um, was in order to come back and continue doing missions. But while I was there, I ran into the president of the school. 
And we were walking on the side of the street. Now, in Tanzania, it's culturally respectful to not look somebody in the eye when you're talking to them if they have respect. I mean, in America, you look someone in the eye and you glance off to the side here and there so you're not creepy. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, like, in Africa, it's the opposite. And you look down and occasionally glance up at them. So yep. that's what I was doing to this... Um, this uh the president of the school and when i shook his hand same thing conversations and he took it the opposite way he took it because in america it's respectful to look in the eye and all this stuff so it came up and i was just so um intrigued by why america the respect level has dropped so much maybe if you're from the south maybe texas there's still the sir and ma'am that's there and i I really love that but more and more i'm seeing in america the culture of respect is is missing it's something that's shown a little bit differently than here but it's it's slowly going away and uh i think that's a huge a few of the things that i've seen in america that are different from here yeah um yeah yeah and i think it's interesting. I was talking to Tori um, uh, the other day, and he was talking about like planting seeds, right? Mm-hmm. And as a missionary, as uh, building organizations, as an entrepreneur, I think there's a lot of similar tendencies mm-hmm. of what you guys do, right? Yeah. Could you maybe talk about how the, the things you're planting in life, mm-hmm. the seeds that you're planting, you may not see those seeds right now, but I'm sure there's seeds yeah. that you've planted mm-hmm. in a lot of these villages, yeah. uh, you know, the vill- uh, and planting knowledge, planting right. love, right? Yeah. So what kind of planting are you doing in your life? And maybe talk about some of the planting you've done over the past couple of years with your mission. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of it is um, our whole goal in life is to have a relationship with Jesus, to have a relationship with him and to know him. And out of that comes the overflow of doing ministry, of helping others. But first and foremost is a relationship with Jesus. And as it says in the Bible, like the apostles, like they spent their lives with him, their days with him. They ate with him. They cried with him. They slept with all that stuff just to get to know him more. And I feel like it shows such great value in building relationships first before even being able to speak into someone's life. The apostles went through crazy terrible things and stood firm in it unlike any other religion they went through persecution and still followed jesus because of what because of a relationship because of seeds that were sown and oftentimes as we walk out our lives in this world i just think that we are the only bible people will ever read sometimes wherever you are your actions and different things and so based on just your your presence and just what how you yeah yeah. based on your presence based on how you hold yourself how different circumstances come up maybe something hard goes up in your life something hard happens and other people are watching you you might not realize it but people are looking at you looking at your reaction looking at how you're handling yourself how you're holding yourself and if you're turning to maybe alcohol you're turning to drugs you're turning to something else to fill that they see that they notice it but if you're turning to god and you're holding yourself strong and you're firm through some of those trials that happens it speaks volumes just because they're observing your life and so back to your question about what seeds have we been planting here we've just been planting relationships especially when we are working with muslims it's essential to first have a relationship with them to first gain their trust because then they realize you know this isn't just this this isn't just a religion. Christianity, I wouldn't I I don't like the word religion because mm-hmm. there are many religions, but the one and true relationship that we need to have for eternity is through Jesus Christ. 
And so, but I think it's a lot of the principles yes. that you're getting, quote unquote, from a religion. Right. Right. Correct. Whether it's Buddhism or quote unquote Muslim or Christian, you know, right. obviously everybody has their faith that they believe in. Yeah. Right. And but it's those principles that you're extracting right. from it. And yes. are they principles that yeah. really makes the world better? Right. And so it's just a matter of putting those into a relationship where they can then see that ultimately it's through relationship that we're drawing close to the Lord, drawing close to Jesus and understanding who he is. Um, and so in the past, uh, I was in Rukwa, Bondelala Rukwa, and that's where I grew up in Sumbuanga area of Tanzania. And down there, a lot of what we did was we just hung out. We just chilled. We chilled with people under mango trees telling stories. And I would just crack open the Bible and just ask people, you know, get people started in conversation of just like, hey, you heard that one story about the guy who was swallowed by a fish? Oh, no, you haven't? Uh, That's actually, uh, it's a boring story. I don't know if we really want to get into it. And their attention is grabbed right away. And it's just through storytelling, through having fun, through like going through life together that you start planting seeds that as your friends as the people around you go through hard times and as you're able to reach out and to help them in those hard times or to be an example or to even vice versa see them help you see them see you go through a hard time then that's when you start seeing the seeds that are planted for long term because you don't want to be you don't want to be sharing the gospel and running and then they don't have an example to look at. They don't have, what does it look like on a daily basis to walk out the Christian life, to walk out the life of the gospel, of the Great Commission? What does that actually look like? And so I think a lot of the seeds that are sown are through relationship. And so, for example, here on Mafia Island, we're building this youth center. It's awesome. And it's this, so cool. This youth center is so that we can just play games with the local youth, with the young kids, with the older kids, with the old men. Are men still here? You're playing golf in America? Wherever you are, maybe cricket, if you're on that side of the world. But, like, you get involved with games, you get involved with sports, and you start building relationship with those men that you golf with. Even, you know, playing tennis as women or whatever sport you're involved in, you start building relationship. And this is an effort to then build relationship with the people here on the island. And not only is the end product of the sports youth center doing that, but also in the process of getting to the end of finishing the building project throughout it all, we've been working with men that build this whole property by hand. We yeah, have, talk a little bit about that because yeah. it's insane. It's I mean, when you see this, uh, you know, uh, we were able to help out and, and give back Seven Rock Life to help you guys on this mission. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool to see the kids playing yeah. uh, after hours. But, I mean, it started with just like literally woods. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. Hand by hand. Woods. Taking and it, all the stuff out. There were hills and valleys and different things. And you literally, to take out a tree, not only first would you cut it down. That's the easy part. Then you would cut it up and you would move it out by hand. <laughs> Then you have a root system to worry about. And so you go maybe a perimeter around this stump. You go maybe 10 feet because as you dig down, you're slowly cutting all the roots off until you can fully pull all the roots out of the ground and the stump. And so there are hundreds of trees on this property, hundreds of bushes, hundreds of grass, all these root systems that you would have to cut 
dig down, get the root system out, and pull the stump out. And that's just one process of even just clearing land. In America, you get a bulldozer, you get different things. But here, uh, you can you can get those things. It's a little more expensive. But also the culture, like I was talking about earlier, is a community culture. And for them to view, I was talking to a few of the guys the other day, and they said, oh, in America, wouldn't this take so, uh, this would be easy because you guys have big machines. And a few of the guys were talking to me, and they were saying, yeah, that's true. But then only one guy gets a paycheck. Yep. Only one guy gets to invest in this property. And they're looking at it as an investment. They're looking at it as, hey, we all, the whole surrounding village takes turns, you know, for a week coming in, helping out, getting paid. They each get a cut of what's going on on this property. So they each feel like it's their own. The ownership of this youth center. There's a huge appreciation. Yeah, there's a huge appreciation for what's going on. And I think it's really interesting with what you're saying is that, you know, you had this this grass here, you had these mm-hmm. woods, you had to dig up the roots. And if you want to rebuild something, you want to mm-hmm. build something new, mm-hmm. would you kind of say that's kind of how life is where, you oh, know, yeah. God, universe can kind of gut you out, root you mm-hmm. of the things that maybe you don't want to be and root you into the things that you've always wanted to be or could be? Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's a beautiful analogy, and I think it's even talked about in the Bible of just having a deep root system. And what are you actually rooted in? And as we go through life, we get pruned yep. uh, through different circumstances Definitely. that we go through. I think you mentioned that in your book a little bit. But just as you're getting pruned, as you're getting going through hardships, going through hard times, you're what are you turning to? What has been some of your hard times and yeah. what, what has helped you get out of it? I know we spoke about yeah, that last yeah. night. Yeah. No, We've had me and Ben have such great conversations, uh, you know, whether it was uh, at the place or mm-hmm. overlooking. Like right now, it's so cool. It feels like Pirates of the Caribbean with these amazing ships here mm-hmm. and the Indian Ocean's like clear as water. Oh, yeah. And gorgeous. Uh, the tiki huts and um, definitely an amazing, amazing yeah. spot. But, um, but yeah, what has been some of your hardships yeah. and things you've dealt with? Honestly, uh, growing up in the bush was one of the hardships. Uh, most people think, ah, he grew up here, he's used to it, it's easy. To be honest, it's hard living out here. It's a hard life. Why? Um, just because everything, just surviving alone is a, is a job. Getting water to drink, making sure you have food every day, making sure a lot of those things just makes it so difficult. Given where we were living, it was close to nine hours uh, when we first moved to Tanzania, it was around nine hours to get to Mbeya, which was a city where you could get produce, which you could get all these things, nine That's hours crazy. by car. And so we're talking once every four weeks, you'd head out for a supply trip. Obviously, as time went on, roads were built. And as time went on, the roads became better and the pavement came. And so now it's only about five to six hours to that location, um, but it's still a haul. And so it just makes life kind of difficult to live out here. Um, but at the same time, just being able to take a step back. A lot of times in America, we can get caught up because everything's about time. Time is money. Mm-hmm. Different things that we're doing is so time oriented that we can sometimes lose track of time in it of itself because of those things. And I think that um, if you can focus on taking yourself out and looking into your time that you're actually spending that's an essential thing you can do but back to the hard things that we went through um one of the hardships in my life that i had gone through was um i thought i was getting married to a girl and things didn't quite work out and that kind of rocked my boat for a little bit um and as with any relationship if you're striving towards marriage if you're striving for things 
um, in the future, you're, you're, you're starting to do plans. You're starting to make plans. And when all those plans are stripped away, what are you mm-hmm. left with? And what are you left with um, when everything is kind of taken out from you as far as your plans go, as far as your strategy goes? You're left with uh, your health. You're left with God who gives you your health. And that's basically it. You're basically just left with God. And so as you go through those hard times, I remember, I mean, months of just crying out to God, like, God, why is this happening? Why did I go through this? And just not questioning who he was in my life, questioning what he was doing through those times, questioning, okay, God, you're preparing me for something bigger. You're preparing me for something. What is it? And just digging deep into his word in prayer, surrounding yourself with people. It's hard to go through things like that alone. And looking back at it, you realize what God has done. But in the moment, surround yourself with people who can encourage you. Surround yourself with mentors, pastors, leaders, friends. People that are there for you. They don't abandon you. They're there for you. Exactly. Um, And so after going through that hard time, now looking back, I've seen so much of what God actually did through that hard time and actually saved me from a relationship I I don't think I was meant to be in. I wasn't meant to be in that relationship for marriage. And I think he saved me from that. He saved me from a situation where things could have distracted me from what he had for me. Now I'm re-engaged. I love Danny. Uh, Danny Hoover is my girl. She's, shout out Danny. <laughs> shout out Danny. Love you. Uh, and she's awesome. And she's been teaching me what it looks like to turn to God. She's surrounded. She's going to a non-Christian campus uh, at college right now. And she's been standing firm amongst all of her friends being a non-Christian. She's got Christian friends as well. But most of the people around her are non-Christians. And she's been teaching me what it's like to live that out when everybody else is telling you something different. And so... It's a night and day difference between Danny and my last relationship. And I just think as you go through hard times, in the moment, it's hard. God's pruning you. He's getting you ready for what's to come in the future. He's getting you ready to know how to turn to Him in those hard times. Because it's like working out. If you go to the gym a week, you're like, eh, I feel pretty good. You stop going, you go again, and you're kind of sore. You're kind of sore. But if you get it consistent... You start seeing results. You start seeing changes. You start seeing the ability to then remember, oh man, it really sucked, but I know I can at least do 30 reps. I can at least get there. So when you are having an off day, when you are tired, when trials do come up again, you can look back. Man, I did. Yeah, God was with me through that last relationship that didn't work out, through the pain, through all those things. You can look back and you can remember, no, there's going to be a light at the end. There's going to be fruit from it. There's going to be more strengthening through it. But it sucks. Don't get me wrong. It sucks. Don't get me wrong. It's going to be difficult. But the biggest thing that we can take away is it says in the Bible that God is always with us. He's always here for us. It doesn't say he's going to take the pain away, which a lot of people will take differently, which a lot of people will say, if I become a Christian, God is with me. So therefore, it's going to be easy. I would beg to differ because as you're getting pruned, God is there with you. He's there for you to turn to him for comfort, but you're still going to have to walk through those things so you can grow. Nobody goes to the gym saying, it's going to be easy. I'm going to walk out without pain and I'm going to look great. Nobody goes to the gym. <laughs> By the way, uh, Ben is a beast at just his adrenaline. 
his stamina. I mean, I've never seen people push wheelbarrows as fast as you. Uh, and uh, yeah. even the guys, what did the guys say about you? They're just like, you Ben, you saw like... Oh yeah, they were just they were just talking. You know how guys talk, and they were just talking about wheelbarrows, and they were asking me a few things, and they're like, "Man, like Ben just pushing wheelbarrows. Like he's got the type of like three guys. He's doing the work of three guys." And I always point it back to God because I always pray to God for strength every morning, and He gives it to me. Yeah. But it's funny because some of their comments and some of their views on why I actually have strength. Yeah, it's um, another story. It's for another podcast. Another yeah. podcast. But, <laughs> Now that's awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, just it, what it, it's crazy because when you think about those trials and those tribulations, right? It's you know when you go when you're connected to the vine, when you're connected mm-hmm. to the source, whatever that may be, you know, whatever faith you are. But you know, we have our faith, we have our our kind of vine of life that has helped us because you know you could try it without it, you could try it with it, and with it has been a lot more graceful. Mm-hmm. It's been a lot more uh, not feeling empty. You yeah. feel full, yeah. and then and what what do you think? drives you you know right now mm-hmm. i know obviously your relationship with yeah. god but what do you do you see the the relationships you build you see the lives changing mm-hmm. you see these kids you know you said it yeah. yesterday when we go play with the kids and playing soccer and whatever treat them like hey these are your kids because yeah. they are yeah no they are and i think from growing up in that tribal living i have uh, an idea of just people um we're here for each other we're put we're all put on this earth for each other And we've given a big book to read through that has some pretty well written out instructions on how to live together, how to pursue God together in a means to then we're we're here for each other. And that kind of comes down to it of just like aside from my relationship with God and the ministry and what drives me, what really drives me aside from an overflow of God, I'm going to have to say there's nothing else that drives me. Yeah, you, and, have a, you have a mission. You found yeah. your medicine of life. Yeah. And I think when you find your mission medicine, you, mm-hmm. you develop the stamina yeah. that your life, you're just like, oh man, this is why I'm doing yeah. it. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm making a mark yeah. in a this world. Of, a lot of my earlier years in life, I got so caught up in thinking that ministry in it of itself was getting closer to God, was bringing us closer to God. But in reality, it's out of an overflow of your relationship from God that that comes and so i honestly have to say to you like it's just my relationship with god and where i've seen him bring me from a sinful um unforgivable uh human yeah he sacrificed his son for me and i don't i can't stand thinking about people living and dying and never hearing about that living and dying and never having the opportunity to even have a choice to say yeah you know i'm good that's not me that's not me okay that's that's all to you whatever but at the same time, just giving them that opportunity to hear what Jesus has done for them, to hear why he's done it for them, that ultimately drives me. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, we celebrate Easter and, uh, and different holidays throughout the mm-hmm. year um, with whatever faith you are and even Christmas, but they don't understand what the reason behind it yeah. is. Yeah. Right. You know, it's not about knowing. It's about living it. Right. And when you're living it, it's, uh, you know, your life becomes a lot more clear mm-hmm. with everything. And this is good stuff, man. I mean, 24... Yeah. He's yeah, got yeah. Uh, he's got the mindset of just uh, of, 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 of an el- older person, <laughs> but in a young body. Yeah. And I know you're going to continue to do big things. And, mm-hmm. and and wrapping up real quick, tell mm-hmm. us, um, and thanks for sharing all that yeah. stuff. Really oh, appreciate it. And we had limited time to be able to do this, but we made it happen. But to, to your stories, <laughs> they're funny stories. I mean, they're not funny. Yeah. Uh, they're crazy. But uh, any, any funny stories or crazy stories, uh, I know the... 
the elephant story. I never knew about elephants yeah. and how smart they are oh, and yeah. how they remember things. And then do the, you got to do the tiger sound because okay. with tigers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and it, they're they're funny, but not because yeah. the outcome wasn't the best. But um, you know, but it's it's crazy yeah. to think this is what we don't have to worry about. You know, in the Western culture. Yeah. No, we uh, we. As far you know, tigers aren't actually in Africa, but lions are, and they've got this purr, and it's the deepest purr that you've ever heard. Like it's like your cat, your house cat, sitting on your lap, and it's just kind of purring like that. But then you just multiply that sound by like five, and when you're sitting next to a subwoofer and it kind of hits you in the gut, and the vibrations hit you, and you're like, "Wow, this is a good song," or like, "I can really get down to this." It's very similar because lions. When they purr, the deep rumble hits you. The sound waves hit you, and you start to realize, I don't belong here. Like, I'm in danger. <laughs> you know, and one of the stories I was telling was, as missionary kids, we had some other missionaries around us where we were growing up, and they, we did homeschool together. And as some of us missionary kids were going back and forth, there was one time that uh, a missionary kid was going back to the, ha- the house in between, and we were all walking back, and in the grass... You know, we heard some rustling and we heard some sounds and we we're just, the hair stood up on the back of our necks and we just realized, you know, this is not good. This is not a good situation. And we all went home, whatever we got home, we kind of told parents and stuff. And then the next day we heard from the village that there was a rogue lion through and that was killing their cows. And so just crazy stuff like that when you're growing up out here that's like you know the village then comes to you for help to maybe go hunt the lion go find it and it was uh it was crazy but it's another tribe living. <laughs> another another one of my stories is just about the elephants um because yeah, i didn't know they can remember oh yeah they've got an incredible memory incredible memory and uh one of the stories i've heard is about this guy who was his his father actually was a poacher and he as a young kid was with his father on one of his trips and they had poached some elephants and very sad very sad and so he saw his father do that for his life and he decided to go against that and to become a game park guide and he wanted to help the environment he wanted to help the elephants he wanted to help people because he saw what his dad did and so one of the days that he's out on a walk and he's leading close to 30 people on a walking safari and they come up on a herd of um, elephants and they're looking at them and they're keeping their distance. They're being respectful because this guy's respecting the elephants now. And what happens is one of the bulls, one of the elephants come charging into the group of 30 people and picks out this guide and kills him. Very sad, very unfortunate. And it was so shocking because the elephant literally was dodging the other people and then turned around and went back didn't touch anybody else and the eyewitnesses were saying that the elephant was stepping around people on purpose that's crazy and so they did quite a bit of research and it comes to find out it's highly possible that that very elephant was a baby at the time that this tour guide's father killed one of its parents and that elephant remembered his smell remembered his sight remembered everything about him in the second he saw him he remembered 
he went over he killed them and he went back to his herd and so it's just powerful because you just start thinking about elephants you start thinking about all that and you appreciate uh, it yeah you start appreciating them and how god created them so yeah incredible and nature, and nature is a powerful yeah. thing without a doubt oh, but yeah. real quick the story real quick version how you got left in the like middle of nowhere <laughs> with tori yeah and i mean like we complain if we don't have like for you know <laughs> we, yeah. we don't have a nice bed you're oh, in yeah. the woods yeah. camping and oh, waiting yeah. We had, oh my gosh, we would, a lot of what we do, because we do reach out to the unreached and they are in hard to get areas, a lot of what we do is walking. But we do try and go as far as we can with the vehicles that we have. Shout out to Toyota. Toyota's great. Uh, we use Toyota Land Cruisers, the 76 series. But we get out there and he drops us off to like kind of the last location where he can get with his vehicle. And what he says is, he says, you know, there's no communication, there's no anything. So the plan you stick with the plan or else you're, you're screwed <laughs> In middle you know? of like and so he says i'll meet you back here at sundown so you better you better try your hardest to get back there by sundown so we we were out we were doing work and stuff and i come back and i'm i'm waiting there by the trail and meanwhile he was going picking up different teams going to different areas and i just remember sitting there and just remembering the sun's starting to go down and there's no Tory. Okay, that's all right. And I was left, you know, not expecting to be there for a while. So I had a water and I had... Someone gave me a cliff Bar, actually. And it was my first time eating a cliff Bar, surprisingly. But I was a young kid and we're out there. And Tori had gone away. And little did I know, uh, the car was having problems. Different teams were having problems. And he was having a hard time actually, even physically, just getting back to me. So I knew what the plan was, and I sat there all night. I sat there the next day, and it was it was a few days that had gone by before Tori was able to get back to us. And it was wild, just sitting there rationing out water. And you don't want to leave the spot where you're at, because if he were to come back, there's no way he's coming to look for you. He, like, to find you would be impossible, all that stuff. But it's just wild out here, like... I would do it all over again. I would be left all over again just because... Hey, you, you love it. The cost, yeah. The cost that sometimes we forget is Jesus died for us. And what are we willing to do for those who don't know him yet? That's awesome. So I love it. Thanks so yeah. much, brother. And we got a lot... You know, do you know the last question of last, uh, the podcast? You no, probably don't. Maybe not. All right. So this is how we end it. Uh, and people can check you out, you know, so okay. follow you and yeah. support your mission. We'll add it on the bottom. Okay. Where can people find Perfect. you? Um, Elam Fellowship and Open Door Enterprise will be below here. And um, yeah, those are the organizations I'm working with right now. You can and find me on there. There, you know, what's so cool about them, because I physically got to see, it, you know, the funds that goes to them really is um, Stuart. It's so good. Mm. And you guys just do such a great job. And it's so cool to see that, yeah. what is built and what's given back. And uh, you guys are truly inspired. I mean, you Thank have you. inspired me being on this trip without a doubt. My yeah. heart's gotten softened, but just um, the perspective of life yeah. definitely changes. Wow. So. Thank you. Yeah. You know, no, you inspire you. me, man. Even though I'm old at 31, uh, you inspire me without a doubt. Yeah. So keep doing what you're doing. So this is the last question on Seven Rock Life Nation that the whole world's going to hear. Ready? Yeah. So if you had a billboard mm. for the whole world to see, what would your message be to the world? Oof, that is good. A word, a sentence. What would your message be to the world if you had one billboard? Okay. Uh, a sentence, man. This is going to be a run-on sentence. No, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, it would probably have to be something along the lines of um, something along the lines of look beyond yourself and 
look beyond yourself and know it, it, oh man I'm trying to think of something clever here so okay. this is getting a little what would your, what would, your it would, basically, what would be for the world look beyond yourself yeah look beyond yourself don't be so self-centered um, why and just because I mean there's people there's families there's people out there that need help and to help them we get a perfect example of that from the bible from god and so anyways back to the question hey, you i said just it. think yeah that's yeah. that was don't it. be self-centered just and don't be self-centered and focus on who god is ultimately um help your neighbor you know help your love them as yourself you know um and just strive to know who god is and don't dwell on who you are. Dwell on who he is. If I could sum it up, that would be it. Mm. Strive to know who God is and look beyond yourself. Love it. Yeah. Dude, thank you so much, bro. They, call, they say homeboy here. Homeboy, yeah. <laughs> homeboy. Awesome, man. Oh, well, man. we love you, brother. Thanks for everything. Yes, Signing out you. in the Indian Ocean and Tanzania, Africa. We love you guys. Have a blessed week. Share this, comment on this, leave reviews. And uh, we're about a brand that inspires and gives back. Be that living to inspire for your community, for your neighbor. And uh, that's what the world needs is learn how to complete and not compete, to be selfless, not selfish. Have a great week, guys. Signing out, Sun Rock Life Nation. Peace.